0: Welcome to Agenda Breakdown, a podcast that explores how cities and counties make decisions and how you can have a say. I'm Kim Bischoff, and today we're gonna talk about the parklets in San Luis Obispo, how they came to be, how people feel about them, and how long those parklets will stick around. Early in the pandemic, when COVID restrictions kept businesses from letting customers indoors, business owners were really struggling. So the city of San Francisco launched a pilot program that let restaurants and retailers move some of their operations outdoors. That's when we started seeing parklets appear in front of restaurants on city streets. The one-year program was called Open Slow, and it was so successful that last July, city council asked staff to transition it from a temporary program to a permanent one. Next month, the program will go back to city council to determine what that will look like. I have two guests here today to help us understand where the parklet program is headed. Adam Fukushima is the Active Transportation Manager with the City of SLO, and Luke Schwartz is Transportation Manager. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on.
0: So Adam, first question is for you. For any listeners who may not be aware, how would you describe a parklet?
1: Sure. So just quite simply, it's just the removal of a parking spot to provide a structure for outdoor dining. And so during the pandemic, this was really something that was useful for folks to social distance, as well as to just get outside and get out of the house and do something you know, outdoors and also to support our local businesses. And this is different than our other outdoor dining options that we have. So there's parklets, which is the removal of a parking spot. And there's also sidewalk cafe. So those things are areas on the sidewalk that are cornered off by a fence where you can do outdoor dining as well, too. So you may know that by mint and craft. And then there's things like just tables and chairs permits, where you just have tables and chairs on the sidewalk.
0: And for the part that's going to city council next month, is that dealing with both of those options or just the ones that are in parking spots?
1: It's mostly parklets. Parklets is what we need an ordinance for, but we're also proposing some cleanup to the um, sidewalk cafe and tables and chairs permits, just to make sure that both programs are sort of congruent with each other and match.
0: Luke, the open slow parklets first appeared in May 2020. How have they changed since then?
2: In spring of 2020, at the pros of the COVID pandemic and a lot of restrictions on indoor services and dining. We kind of went into triage mode and started trying to set up temporary parklets for any businesses that could otherwise not operate without them. So originally, we, we had actually established kind of one pilot installation over at Big Sky that did include decking that was flush with the sidewalk and some, some railings. And then all of a sudden, we had a need for you know dozens more. So we were scrambling to get as many water barricades and concrete barricades as we could to set them up on the street. And they were pretty crude at first with most tables set up at the street level, which was not great from an accessibility standpoint. And so since then, we've worked with all of the parklets that are still remaining to bring their decking and installations up to ADA compliance, so they're accessible and flush with the sidewalk, while also encouraging and helping businesses that wanted to invest in more aesthetically pleasing installations, so whether that's crafting kind of wooden barrier systems with planters built into them or metal frames, even some that have moved forward and designed Um, and get permitted for like roofing systems and lighting that are really nice and more permanent looking. So we still have a couple that maybe don't meet the type of aesthetic quality that we're looking to move towards, but a lot of them are actually looking really nice.
0: I've noticed that there's a big difference in how they look. And I'm just wondering who pays for those parklets, both the construction and any fees that are involved?
1: Right now, we're still in the pilot program, so there is no charge to use it. There are no fees, but we'll be transitioning to a fee structure. For the parklet structure itself, the city actually provided a number of minimal parklet structures to get people on their feet and going. But going forward to the permanent program, they will need to propose a structure that they will build. And so we've seen in other cities that the cost for that can range from 10,000 to 30,000, depending on how fancy you want to get.
0: That was my next question. I'm glad you, you gave me a number there. I was wondering, you know, some of those are so elaborate and so beautiful. And it seems like there's quite a big range in terms of, you know, just having some metal bars around the parking spot to the wooden benches and tables and heat lamps and roofs and plants and all that.
2: There's a huge range. There's there's parklets in San Francisco that I've seen that would were cost you know sixty, seventy thousand dollars or custom made out of stainless steel by by big companies. But it really there's a range of different ways to make them look. Nice.
0: Since people are spending so much money or business owners are spending so much money to get these looking the way they want them to look, have there been any issues with vandalism or parklets being misused?
2: We've got a few instances with people having plants stolen, planter boxes knocked over. It hasn't been very frequent. I think more of the issues we've heard concerns with or with the businesses themselves, maybe not keeping the spaces as tidy as they could and not activating them regularly. So that's something we've been working with businesses on and will be a firm requirement moving forward into a permanent program to keep the spaces clean, sanitary, and a good state of repair.
0: And what makes a successful parklet? What's the difference between one that's successful and one that that's not doing so well?
2: Parklets are by design are temporary structures and, and extensions of the sidewalk. Successful parklet should feel like a seamless extension of the environment that it's adjacent to, you know, have high quality aesthetic design while being creative. It should echo and complement the adjacent buildings and streetscape and also just be well-used. Parklet that's sitting empty for majority of the day is not adding to the environment. It's not what we're looking to encourage. So I think something that looks like that really provides an addition around in terms of activity, making a place worth walking to and visiting is really important in trying to build a a successful parklet program.
0: Over the past year, I know your department has hosted a bunch of workshops and sent out surveys, and you have had a lot of dialogue with business owners and also the general public. What did you learn from those conversations?
1: Yes, we got a lot of good feedback that came in, and I would say it's varied. I would say about half of it is complete support for a parklet program and that it it supports the pedestrian feeling downtown in a human-scale environment, and people really like that. And it supports our downtown concept plan and our active transportation plan. The other side is we you know, we've heard some concerns about it as well. One of the big themes is just idleness, the need for these uh, parklets to be used. And so one thing we're proposing is a certain minimum level of activity. And that can be hard to define because we want to find a balance between having a certain level of activity that suits the community. People want to see these things used, but at the same time, having something that isn't too burdensome on a restaurant and with the staffing issues that they're still dealing with trying to find that balance. So right now, what we're proposing is uh, a minimum use of five days a week for four hours a day. The other thing is we heard concerns about parking loss and the parking revenue and making sure that that's solvent. We heard issues of the maintenance of it and cleanliness, just keeping it clean, things of that nature. We also heard on the other side, too, that the parklet plan doesn't go far enough. Some folks said that we need to close full streets and do things that just have full pedestrian environments for folks. And we're not proposing that yet. There needs to be more of a discussion with the downtown businesses for that to happen and work on things about um, loading zones and things, things of that nature. But it's quite varied in the feedback we got.
0: For restaurants, the benefits of having a parklet out front seem much more obvious than the retail spaces in the area. How is the city working to make them beneficial for all businesses downtown?
1: Sure. That's one of the big themes we've heard in the public outreach was there is a little bit of balance between the restaurant concerns and the non-restaurant businesses. And so one of the things we've proposed is, you know, if you want to encroach into the neighboring frontage that you need to have the permission of the neighboring business, we allowed a certain level of that during the pilot program. And so going forward in the permanent program, we're going to require that you get the permission of the of the store next to you. I think the activity level is something that a lot of people had a concern about is if the city is going to allow these that, hey, it better be used. And so I think we've heard that loud and clear. And that's something we're proposing to have in the program.
0: Does the support from the general public seem to be more uniform?
1: It does, yeah. The support from the public, I would say, is they like these and they want to see them going forward. But of course, you know, they don't have the economic trust or, or struggles that the downtown businesses do. So we, we fully understand that there's going to be that kind of uh, difference of opinion.
0: That's a balancing act for sure. So parklets are on the city council agenda. I saw for both July fifth and July nineteenth. Can you tell us what will happen on those two dates?
1: Sure. So we'll be introducing an ordinance, and an ordinance requires two readings. So that's why we have the two meetings. The first one on the fifth. And the second one on the 19th, it'll be for adopting the new parklet program and then adopting the fees as well too, as well as a new parklet guide that we have that sort of lays out all the aspects of the program. You can find out how to apply for a parklet of your own.
0: Is that the outdoor dining guide that I saw linked on your website?
1: That is that, yeah. And you can go to openslow.org to read that guide and you can find out more details about that. And we'll be providing that in the staff report going into council on the 5th.
0: Can you give me a sense of what the city staff is going to be recommending in that staff report?
1: Sure, absolutely. It'll be an updated guide. So, we got more input on the encroachment into the neighboring frontage. Before, we were trying to find a balance of, you know, if you're only going a few feet into a neighboring business, you need to have the consent of the next door owner. We're thinking, well, if you're going to be encroaching at all into the neighboring frontage, you need to have the consent of that. So, that's one thing we're updating. The fees, the full cost to the city is about $9,000 per year per space. And so, will likely be recommending the full cost of that to the park owner to pay for, and the uh, City Council can make a decision if they want to reduce it to, to be lower than that.
0: So the $9,000 that's in lost parking revenue that would otherwise come from that space is all right?
1: Yeah, it's a mixture of lost parking revenue as well as maintenance and repaving that needs to happen.
0: I know you did a ton of outreach already, but if community members are listening and they want to weigh in because they did, haven't had a chance to do so already, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: We have an open city hall sign where you can find out what other people have said. If you just go to that openslow.org, you can find a link to that. You can also just get in touch with me. You can email me at afukushi, A-F-U-K-U-S-H-I, at slowcity.org. You could also give us a call at the city as well, too.
0: Luke and Adam, thank you so much for coming to the studio today. I really appreciate you being here.
1: No problem. Anytime. Thanks. Certainly. Thank you so much.
0: Now it's time for today's action item. Take a look at the new Outdoor Dining Guide draft on the city's website. There's a link at openslow.org. And if you have questions about it, you can email Adam Fukushima. I will put his address in the show notes. When that draft comes to the city council next month, you can share your thoughts by emailing, calling, or showing up in person to give public comment. And as always, I will put those links in the show notes as well. Today's episode was produced by Sam Reardon with music by Wes Bishop. If you like the show, you can go to agendabreakdown.com to listen to past episodes and follow us on social media. You can also find us and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kim Bishop. See you next time on Agenda Breakdown.